Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Draw, Lose or Draw. Myself and David Forrest were joined by League One winning manager Ian McCall. We covered all things from the title race to Greg's. We hope you enjoy. Hi Ian, how you doing? Thanks very much for joining us. No problem. I just want to start by asking about the season we've just had. We've spoken on the podcast about our sort of pleasant surprise at the run of form in April. Mm-hmm. Did you ever believe that we could hit such an impressive run of form? Did you, was there any point where you thought the league had drifted away from us or was it always the number one target for you? Yeah, the board will tell you it was always the number one target. Um, I thought we could put together a run of games and win a good few games once people get back and I didn't expect us to, to go on the type of run we did though but I didn't think we were as bad as everybody thought we were at the start of the season either I, I'm not got that. I can't get that emotional with these things but you know I'd go back to two games at the start of the season when we played Falkirk at home and we always felt Falkirk would be our main challengers and they were until you know, unfortunately for them they capitulated but um, we do two all with them and we absolutely murdered them we we missed a penalty. One of their goals was offside. It was a fluke. Then we lost the goal in the eighth minute. And then, you know, the Dumbarton game, thankfully there was no fans there to see Brian's uh, miss. And I love Big Brian to death, but it was an absolute... We could have won 7-0 that day. I'd be lying to say, though, in the last eight or nine... I mean, we only lost one of our last 20 games or whatever it was, but the last eight or nine games, certainly the six or seven in a row, when we only... I don't think we hardly lost a goal and we scored about 20 goals. I didn't see... Someone to of that extent coming, but I'd always thought we were capable of of putting together a, a type of run. But it, a lot of things just clicked, and I just described it earlier as a perfect storm. And I think the perfect storm involved a little bit of luck, having a really poor first half against East Fife, and introducing Stephen Bell, which got the best out of everybody in the back four, even by his own admission, Richard Foster, who's played 500 games in the Premier League, but he was outstanding. He got the best out of Darren Brownlee. And then you had Tiffany joining us, which was, to be honest, was a bit of luck because Ryan Williamson got fit. Rangers were good enough to allow Adam Devine to go back, which allowed us to get Tiffany in, who was original target. And then for me, the biggest one was Zach Rudden, who took an awful lot of stick. Zach Rudden getting fit and showing what we all knew, or hope, well, I certainly knew in the staff that he could do. So all those things threw together and with that taper on. I always felt we could win the league. I, but if I'm honest, I didn't see us doing it in such a kind of irresistible style. Um, well, I mean, just touching on, you obviously mentioned Tiffany there. I think a lot of people cite him as being a pivotal moment for, you know, turning the season around. Was he always the final piece of the puzzle, so to speak? Was he a target that from, you know, a few months ago or whatever that you yeah. didn't want to get in? Or was it just a case of the big day thing happened and it was quite lucky that yeah, you got him in? He was the original target, if you remember, in January when we closed down. He was one of five or six that we were hoping to 
to get in, we thought would maybe improve us. And at that point, we still had an awful lot of injuries. You know, early in the season, it was just a horrendous run of stuff with injuries and something like five knee operations. So, but as I say, that it was a stroke of luck. Williamson getting fit earlier than we thought, and that allowed us to do that deal. And Declan, who I, who did really well for me at Air United, um, he got back in the Dundee team, so that's luck. But he was there. He was he was the original target, though he was due to come in and the deal was done and then we closed down and there was no point bringing him in when we were only playing football so he had a hell of an impact you know I mean he scored whatever he scored seven goals eight goals in 12 games and he gave us a little bit of I think directness and he's, he's reasonably quick as well he's, well, he's pretty rapid although I'm, I'm not I think you need genuine pace when you're in the Premier League I think if you've got good players you can look like a quick team without ever having people that can run fast but he, he definitely had a had a big big impact and he did a lot better than I thought he would do thankfully uh, I was always thought he could make a real impact but the impact he had was as you all as you guys know it was pretty awesome it definitely was I just want to look ahead to next season it's obviously been quite a, a turbulent few years as you probably know better yeah. than anyone playing against us and managing us mm-hmm. um You've spoken about the aim being top four. Is this something that you're going to discuss with the players? Is it top four or is are you sort of internally maybe thinking title? Well, listen, the type of players we're signing and the type of players that have re-signed, I don't need to tell them that the aim's the top four because that's what their aim will be. <laughs> you know, if you sit Brian Graham down or Ross Dockett or Bannigan or Brownlee or Rudden, they'll say, right, top four is the least. And I, I always say, and I back it up by saying it's everybody's target, but if you finish in the top four, it's only common sense will tell you you can finish fourth, third, second or first. So yeah. if you're in the top four, you, you've got a chance to do it. So that, that's got to be the target for us. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And if I forget the, I'm not saying I'm going to get all the ones I want, but if I get, you know, another, I think we need six players. We've got one just now, but we need another five of that level. Whether we'll be able to do that budget-wise, that'll depend on you and all your friends buying season tickets and me, I've already bought two. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's an outlandish target and I don't think it's an arrogant target because I don't, we're, we're, we're quite possibly the opposite of being an arrogant club now. I think there's a great deal of humility amongst all the players. So, yeah, it, we would say as well that there's, the nature of the championship would say there'd be another nine clubs want to finish the top four So, because it's always so tight. So... I don't think it's been disrespectful to anybody. I just think it's, for a club like us, I think it's just honest. See, while you mentioned the type of players we've got there, you in your um, video recording to, for the club website yesterday, you mentioned about Joe Cardo and his professionalism and that, that <laughs> he was maybe one of the, well, not few, but there was maybe a few unprofessional, if that's the right word, players at the club when you come in. When you try to sign a player, is 100% professionalism the number one thing you look for or can you... Waver on that, depending on ability and what they'll give to the team. Well, I, I think character's the biggest one, whether that's professionalism or. Um, but, you know, when I arrived, I, I didn't think there was enough. Well, I need to choose my words carefully. I, the, the, there wasn't a lot of togetherness, I didn't think, and whether that's professionalism, I don't know. There certainly, I don't think there was enough character. And, you know, primarily they've got to be able to play football, but it's very, very important the type of person they are. I'll give you two examples, two of my old players, Gagan and Bell. Bell on the pitch had a great influence. Gagan maybe played off the bench four or five times, but he had a huge influence, you know, the type of boy he is. And we're now kind of loaded with boys that 
you know, the likes of the ones I've said, who are the core of the team, who are all really, really good types of people, and they, they and they really, really want to win, and they want to be successful, and they want to, you know, another thing, Richard Foster, you you don't play 600 games without being a a a good player and 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 be a good type. So that's something that was very, very important to me. That was the biggest task, and I didn't realise it was as big <laughs> until I got here. And, you know, if I'd known that, would I came back? Who knows? But um, it is Thistle. So after turning down a few of them, I just felt I, I had to come back because I'm the same as you. I just, I love this club. But character for me is a was the biggest thing when I first arrived. But that's getting sorted out. And, and, and do you know what? To, to go off on a tangent, that's why it was so hard to let Joe go. It was really, really hard. It was very, very emotional for both of us. Because he was, I would never bracket him in that. He was one of the ones that wasn't like that when I arrived. He's, he was terrific for me, and you know, the famous second half against East Fife. You know, he basically, I'm not saying saved my bacon, but certainly I'd have been under serious pressure. I'm not daft if we'd have beat that night. So I owe him a debt, and he really enjoyed his time here. And it was an emotional one letting Joe go, but his character and his professionalism is, is absolutely not in doubt. David. I wanted to, just because obviously mentioned it's been a bit of a task changing the club around and stuff like that, it's obviously been a decade since your first managerial stint with the club ended in uh-huh. 2011. How different is the club now from the one you managed 10 years ago? Well, yeah, I mean, it's longer than that. I started in 2007, that's when I left, so that's many, that's 14 years ago. So, yeah, listen, I think um, one of the reasons it was so hard, I think, when I arrived here is Alan Archibald, I would regard as out with Mr. McParland. He's got to be up there with John, with the great Lambino and Betty Old and what as as the second best. He's got to be for what he did. And in that respect, the infrastructure had changed hugely. I mean, I think I missed out on the kind of big budget stuff um, from the last two or three years, but albeit the board have been fantastic, I've, I've got to say that. But I mean, when I was here the first time, we, I don't know if you remember, I don't, I don't know what age you guys are, but we 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 ran St. Johnson very close to win the title. And in those days, there was no playoffs, unfortunately, so we had no chance of going up. So we basically had to sell Gary Harkins, Tuffy and Twaddle and brought in about a quarter of a million pounds. And we had to do that or there'd be serious bother. So we're in a far, far healthier state now than, than, than my first stint. I always felt at the end of my first stint, when I've had, I had well documented personal issues I had to sort out, which I'm very proud to say I did. But I felt the second team was in the building at that point. The first team we had to disband it, but the second team was getting close. You know, we, we, we'd sent out a young Bannigan to United to get him, and he was going to come back. Two players I, I don't need to tell you about the um, Doolan and Erskine were brought in, and they went on to become pretty important players for this club, you know, Balatone, who played in the championship. So there's a good few players that were on the verge of making a good team and then Jackie did really well and then Archie was fantastic. You know, And I think that's what one of the, I think my point about Archie was, I think that was one of the, the clouds we had over the club because I think in his last year, he knows himself. I mean, he was gutted about how it finished and stuff, but I think it was very hard for a lot of Thistle fans, for the vast majority of Thistle fans to see one of their I mean, let's be honest, he is a legend. He's been given 20 years to this club to be going through a hard time. And I think that set the tone and for you know three or so really, really tough years. So, But the, the club's different. It's in a better, better, way better shape now than it was 
the, the first time all these years ago. You mentioned it about the sort of second team, um, you know, when, when in your original stint about coming through and you had players coming through and you had on the fringes that were that kind of became big players at the club. What I wanted to ask about the sort of the, the youth uh, sort of the youth situation at the moment. Obviously, we had players like uh, Gospel Trolley and uh, James Lyon and that on the bench getting, you know, uh, some game time near the end of the season and stuff like that. How yeah. important is the youth development system to you going forward and how do you feel it's going at the moment? Well, I, I think it's, I mean, I, I had a meet with Scott Allison yesterday who I think does a terrific job and the four players that we've brought in full time and there may be another two or three coming in on a something called a kickstart thing, but the four players that we've brought in, i.e. Uh, Mason, the goalkeeper, Gospel, a wee striker, Lyon and uh, Billy Owens, I've got to say, I feel all four of them have got a chance. And they've all, they've all been products uh, of the academy. And I'm going up to have a talk with the under-17 team before they play, I think it's Motherwell on Sunday up at Springburn. I'm going to have a chat with them before the game and that is the first team in the first year of the academy here, I'm told, that's the first team that came through, whatever it was, under 10s or whatever. And they're really, really good. I mean, they're, they're different class. I've seen them two or three times now. And as long as in December we don't get a Rangers or a Celtic or somebody coming and paying a pittance of a development fee from if we can keep them together, you know, I think we'll get five or six through from that that are able to come in full time with us. So... I mean, I can't stress how good they are. I mean, they're beating everybody, and you know, they're a right good side. It's so, therefore, it's very important. And you know, although Banning is a great example, he didn't come through. He came through our system, but we got him as a 13, 14 year old from Celtic. So there's many, many ways to come through. And you know, James Lyon is one. It's well documented how good I think he might be. I don't, I don't want to put pressure on the boy, but he's uh, he looks like he really, really could have a, a big chance to be a. To come into our first team and play 100 games, 150 games, and then who knows what would happen after that. And obviously, one of the sort of more uh, high-profile sort of people who came for our, our youth ranks, uh, James Penrice. I just wanted to ask you about um, James Penrice. We obviously saw him take up a few different positions this season on the pitch. Where do you think his best position is? Like, where, where do you see him slotting in? Well, I, I, I think, and this is just my opinion, James knows this, I'm not talking about the turn, he had a really good game at the, the last game of the season, I thought he was excellent, but I don't think, he's, in my opinion, he's not a left-back, other people might disagree with me, I don't think he's a left-back, I think it's somewhere along the midfield, I mean, if I get all the players I want, I like to play with a left-sider on the right-side and a right-side on the left-side, uh, and full-backs are getting beyond them, so I think that will end up being his best position. But James, and again, he knows, I've said this to him many times, he's, he's a young player who needs to, if you look at him in training, um, he needs to transfer his training from into games. I mean, he's, he's, he's done really well for us at times, but in training he's exceptional. I mean, absolutely exceptional. You know, and he's quick. He's got, he, he ticks so many boxes in terms of attributes. So I, I think moving forward, who knows what the foot future holds for James, but he's certainly a very, very talented boy. I just I just don't I don't see him as a left back moving forward. Uh, we were gonna ask about Tam O'Ware. Um obviously he's contracted to next season as well. Firstly just like how close is he to full fitness and also how difficult is it to manage a player like that with long term injuries and make them sort of feel part of it? Yeah, well it's, it, it, it's the first thing you've got to do is it's hard for Tam himself. Um 
I think he's, I just spoke to Jordan earlier, he's starting to run again on Monday. He, he came through the back thing and then he'd, once he got back in, started to do a bit, he had a little issue with his Achilles, maybe overcompensating. So an Achilles is a thing you don't rush. Uh, but, he, you know, he missed the whole of last season. He'd never hurt his hamstring once in his career and they hurt it against Hearts. And then this back problem came. And the main thing you've got to do, it, it, you keep him involved, but, you know, there's got to be empathy there from, from myself and the staff and the, the players for, for his predicament because players don't like being out. Bill like Zach Rodden, when he was injured, he was, you know, he was injured for a long time. And so we just hope that come Monday he'll start running again and he'll build up and he'll be... Uh, He'll be ready to go in pre-season training. David? One wee question I wanted to ask you. Do you have any, obviously, you played for Thistle uh, for a wee bit um, at the sort of tail end of your career. Do you have any memories from your playing days at Firhill? God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do have memories of it. I mean, Big Chiz was there. and but Listen, the great story about that is uh, after that season, um, I took a call from Big Chip from Gordon Chisholm. And at that point, I was pretty fit. I got myself fit. And I was always, I was never quick, but I could do long distance running pretty well. And he asked me to come in. He thought he was getting a job. This was when I take over. I can't even remember it, but Chis thought he was getting a job uh, as Thistle manager. He was here as a coach and Murdo had left. And he asked me to come in and help out pre-season training. So you could say that was my first thing into coaching. Was, was, it, was, it, was it the Jags? So... The, the person that I was, I've not told this story, but the person that I was kind of entrusted to look after to make sure he did his work because he was a terrible long-distance runner, running 6Ks and 10Ks and whatever. And I used to run beside him right at the back to push him on all the time, and it was a 16-year-old Alan Archibald. So <laughs> there's, there's a story for you. That's, that's where the, the coaching partnership was, uh, was formed then, on the canal. Well, God, aye, aye. I mean, I, I remember some of my, my team. I remember, one of the things I remember, I thought David Moss was the worst footballer I had ever played with. But then I became a manager and I thought I'd probably, I, I could understand how Murdo had him in his team because he headed the ball in both boxes and he scored goals. You know, he just wasn't my type of player. So that was something I learned. Played with a, good, a few good players. Matt Williams was a terrific player. Tommy Turner uh, played in, was it we, Stevie Maskery? Listen, only I, I, I think I started one game away at East Fife and we won three 0 and came off the bench four or five times. Um, and we had a trialist who I put up at my house called Jesus Tejero. There's my memories. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you about Archie, Ian? You've obviously managed him as a player. You've managed against him in opposite dugouts, and now he's your assistant. How has your relationship changed, like throughout the years, at all the different stages? Well, the first thing I would say is, is Archie's first team coach, Neil Scalley's assistant manager. Um, and I, I, I call Archie the assistant just out of deference to what he's achieved here. I don't think it was fair. But anyway, I mean, when I first had him as a player, I signed him, for, I signed him from Park Thistle, actually, and uh, Dundee United. And and then he was, he was back when I came back as manager. And I've got to say, in all my time, I'm not sure he let me down once as a player. I'm not saying he played great every game, but he was one of these guys that just gave it all, and you know, didn't he see a lot, you know, on the on the pitch, and he was a bit quieter than he should have been. But he was a winner, and he, his attitude was was spot on. He worked on his physique. His physique's still like a twenty year old's physique. So 
Um, and then, you know, when he got into that side of it, I remember speaking to him. Uh, he started really well in the job, and I think David hadn't offered him it yet, and he was getting a bit frustrated at that, and eventually got it. And it, then he went on and did really well. And it was bizarre on the opposite side. I also remember the game, the game Lawrence scored from about 50 yards at Fur Hill, very uh, nightly, one. 2-0 or something and uh, that, I think that might have been the first time I managed against him so it's funny and then he, he, you know he's a terrific coach I, I must admit I didn't expect him to go into management because he was, he, he was quite quiet but he's certainly different now and he's a very very good coach very good coach and you know if you ask him to do something not tell him ask him to do something you just know it'll get done so he's just a top boy he really is you know yeah it's great to have him back at the club yeah. If if we move on to sort of off the pitch issues, I think the the club's uh, moving towards a fan ownership model. Can I ask, have you had any involvement in that, and how do you anticipate that influence your influencing your job at all? Well, guys, to be honest, I really don't. You know, that's way above my pay grade. I don't really know much about it, and I, I don't get involved in it. Um, you know what I will say of, of you know. Um, the boards have been great, you know, and I, I know Jackie Lowe and Jackie and Jerry sometimes get uh, some stick for various things, but what I would say is Jackie's been fantastic with me, and I'll tell you, of course, Jackie, Jerry, have they made one or two mistakes? Of course they have. Have I made 500 mistakes? Of course I have. I would actually look at the fourth game. I've said this before. That was a bit of a hoop boo-boo by me when we drew two each when I left six players out but all I would say to, to the vast majority of sports just ask yourselves if you know have you made a mistake in your private life and in your working life I think we all have so or I can only comment on how they've been with me and absolutely outstanding outstanding but in terms of the fan ownership I really don't get involved in that type of stuff and I think that's probably right that I, that I shouldn't um and, you know, what will be will be in terms of moving forward, I think. Thanks. Uh, I've just got one more question. David, do you have no anything problem. else? I get asked a question by somebody. I'll ask it then because it's a more silly one. So I'll... Cool. Be- I like just, silly ones. Good. <laughs> I was just going to ask, if you could sign one player who you've managed at Thistle this summer and have them at their peak, what player would it be? Harkins. But he's got to be at his peak. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't give him a two-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good question. Harkins, I'll give you some other names as well. At their peak, Harkins definitely. He was just outstanding. He just could. He could. The problem with Harkins was he could do everything. Uh, I'll get get you other ones as well. I think Liam Buchanan pre-injury could have turned into a right good player. Yep. Donnelly at his peak. I wouldn't mind Doolin at his peak, Erskine at his peak. Uh, there's a few, actually. So, there you are. <laughs> I've had some good ones. David, on you go. Uh, so, we usually do a, a segment called Partridge Hustle where we ask the panel a, a silly question or whatever. And this isn't mm-hmm. maybe as silly as those. Um, however, Matt might have us a, another Partridge Hustle question to ask. But I get asked by somebody because I put out the call to some people just asking. They said, what is your favourite pub or cafe in the West End? A uh, cafe, Sarah's Cafe in Queen Margaret Drive. Uh, pub, I don't really, I like to sit outside the chip and on a summer's evening and on my own and watch the traffic go by. 
So there, there's two for that. Um, do you have a, any uh, Partridge Whistle questions you want to ask Nicole? Any silly ones from before? Um, how many bites would it take you to eat a cream egg? Uh, God, that's a tough one, actually. I usually kind of play with the top of it with my teeth. I've got new teeth and they're pretty strong and gorgeous. I <laughs> bite the top off and then I kind of suck out the white and yellow stuff. And then I have maybe three or four bits of chocolate. So I would probably say certainly between four and six bites and a bit of slurping. You savour it then. You savour it. Absolutely, as Steve Jobs said. <laughs> Greg's question. Oh, aye. What if? Okay. Are we just going to go through all well, the <laughs> questions? Aye, so I've, there's, there's two Greg's questions. One, what is your, like your go-to Greg's order? And two. If you could introduce a new product to the Greg's shelves, what would it be? Well, firstly, I'll, I'll answer the second one, but the first one, I, I don't go to Greg's. I'm far, far too important a person to go to Greg's. Oh. Uh, the second one, what would I like out of Greg's? I tell you what, though, I quite like the ham, the, sorry, the sausage, bean and cheese thing. Yeah. I, I was pretty digging that. Uh, but I think they've covered everything in there. You can get anything in there now. You can't. Can you get a roll and potato scone? Can you get a roll and potato scone? It still it irks me. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't ever get the morning rolls because they don't use Morton's rolls. They don't cook the bacon properly and it's like sausage and not square. So there you are. <laughs> um, Ian, th- thanks very much for your time. Um, I was loving these other questions, man. You can fire them away. They were right. brilliant. I said, <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 might, I might not get it. I might not get this opportunity again, right? So I'm going to take full advantage of it. Um, when <laughs> you eat a Turnix tea cake, do you do you fold it the wrapper into a big giant square or do you fold, or roll it up into a ball? I, I don't actually like Turnix tea cakes, but I've had one or two. I would definitely go for the ball uh, uh, variety. And then I practice my keep uppies and I do about 183 <laughs> with a wee ball. <laughs> I, like that. I like that answer. It's a, it's a very good answer. Um, try to think of other daft questions. Well, if you've run out, are you, are you starting to kind of find out that my IQ is far higher than both of yours? Eh? <laughs> Combined, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I wasn't going to start like discussing John Paul Sartre with you or anything like that. Oh! But I, mean, <laughs> I think that was a bite, young man. <laughs> anyway, listen, that was great, guys. If that's if that's us, that was terrific. If you want to do it again, you, you're down the line. Just speak to Big Welsh. No problem. We you. will do. No, okay, yeah, thanks very much for your time. Right. And, uh, no problem. All the best, guys. Good, uh, good luck for next season, man. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on this special episode of Draw, Lose or Draw. I've been your host, Matt Greer. Joining me to ask the questions were David Forrest and you heard from Partick Thistle manager Ian McCall. You can find us on Twitter at Draw, Lose or Draw and on Facebook too. You can listen to us on SoundCloud and Spotify and as well as iTunes where we'd love you to give us a review. Stay safe and wear a mask. (laughs) 